Welcome to the third episode of the Key in the Lake podcast. I am Jake Hookie, your host, and also with my co-host, Wilson Torres. Hey, hey, what's up, Chicago? What is up, Chicago? Oh, lots, lots is going on in Chicago. I mean, the temperatures are to be going up <laughs> out of the deep freeze that we've been experiencing the last year. Okay, well, that's a very entertaining podcasting right there, talking about the weather on a whiskey <laughs> podcast. Yes, we can stay warm while drinking whiskey, and we can put some cocktail mixing in it while it gets warmer. Okay. We all know that, but what are we drinking today? Oh, today we have actually a, uh, a bottom shelfer, is what they're called. Uh, we have Old Forester's 100 proof uh, straight bourbon. Anywhere between 25 to $28 in the market, depending on where you purchase your um, your bourbons and or whiskeys. Uh, it is, to my understanding, and don't quote me on this, it is the I'm gonna quote you all blend that. of barrels that didn't make Old Forester's birthday bourbon cut um, that they put out every year on their birthday. And uh, they rebottle it into this lovely, delicious concoction uh, that is, uh, as mentioned, 25 to $28 in the market right now. It's 100 proof. It's... Um, Anywhere between six to eight years old, I want to say. Yeah, definitely. It's a pretty cool combination. Um, obviously, yeah. Old Forester is one of our favorites kind of go-to for like a house party or always to have on your shelf at home. So this is kind of a little special edition for us to have here this afternoon while we record live from Beguile Brewing. Big ups yes, to Beguile. Yes, big ups. Um, we had a mead downstairs, I believe, a banana mead, was that? It was a banana <laughs> foster's mead, to be we, exact. We thought we were getting... Um, hoaxed into something but we weren't really sure what was going on but it just tasted like a, a brunt banana with a little bit of butterscotch and caramel taste to it uh, but it turned out to be pretty good it so was actually Kevin good. the owner of Beguile wasn't trying to fool his two good friends by uh, making us drink any poison or anything like that so that's a good start <laughs> so to that's the day. a very good start good start to the afternoon um, but we here we are here to talk about whiskey uh, anything that you have coming up here in the future um, it is uh, it is March in Chicago which is a huge month for Chicago and whiskey at the end of the week, end of the month, we celebrate um, Whiskey Fest and uh, Whiskey Week here in Chicago. So I'm sure Union Horse and Wilson have some fun stuff going on. Yeah, we do. We we have some. Uh, we have. I have a prime, um, a warm up, if you will, going uh, a couple weekends before St. During St. Patty's Day, I have a couple little tastings out there. So look uh, look out for me. Go to uh, any social media platform and just type in at three one two made three one two M A D E. And I uh, usually so am pretty good about, uh, yeah, of course, you know, you toot your own horn sometimes. Um, yeah, and check it out. I always post where I'm at, where I'm going, or where you can um, pick up a bottle or pick up a taste of Union Horse Distillings. Um, Anything finest. you're looking forward to specifically? Yeah, I am looking forward to actually bringing this brand that I represent in front of thousands. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I try to do my best to, put, to bring it in front into hundreds but this event filled week at the end of march the last full uh, week of march is just prime to really put the brand in front of thousands and from whiskey connoisseurs to the beginning whiskey uh, geek um, it is going to be a great week um from that tuesday evening all the way through friday night it's going to be awesome that sounds good. Yeah, it'll be a fun time. We'll be definitely out there taking photos, writing about it. Um, hopefully, we can get some conversations with people. We already have some lined up, kind we of. We do have uh, some lined up, yes. So that'll be a fun time, but hopefully get some people from out of town, too. Uh, the Whiskey Fest itself is kind of more of a, a lot of big players to do it. And then yeah. throughout the week, we have events <clears throat> scattered throughout. So we'll definitely keep you guys updated on all of that. As we go out into the market, uh, Benny's has a big festival during the day. Um, I think Fountainhead is doing something almost every single night. Fountainhead yes. is an awesome whiskey bar and restaurant here in Chicago up here on the north side as uh, the air kicks back on in the upstairs of Beguile. I try to keep the sound at a minimum, but um, we'll see what happens here with that. But yeah, it's, it's a fun week. It's definitely a good t- chance for you to go out. For anybody, you can buy tickets to things that are free, or you know, tickets that are not are free, um, and not purchase anything with those. And you can spend, uh, you know, anywhere from like ten dollars to two hundred plus dollars for tickets for big events and small events. This and it's kind of range throughout the week. So, definitely, um, we'll keep you updated uh, when we're doing all that out in the field. Um, but until then, 
I want to talk about my last week over in Texas, which was, I was yeah. really excited about to go to Texas very and um, cool. to escape the, the weather, as you talked about, hinted about in the very beginning of the podcast. It turned out, though, that uh, it was um, uh, very uh, cold the entire time, <laughs> and I didn't really have any um, whiskey on hand. I was going to bring a bottle, then I had to check a bag and didn't want to deal with all that stuff. So I didn't bring anything with me, thinking, oh, I'm going to Austin. Well, technically, I was about 25 minutes east of uh, Boston, or Austin, so not Boston. Um, so I didn't really get a chance Austin. to do much. There was one brewery there. Stopped by, had a little brew, had up some beer each night. Um, the best thing that I can ha- say I had was probably a Lone Star after a hard day of working outside in the oh, rain Lone and the Star. wind. That's a good but beer. no whiskey, unfortunately. I was just really disappointed by that. I no Shinerbach or anything? No, I mean, it was just, even... you know, there was no Shinerbach. <laughs> Is that what you asked me? Yeah. Uh, there was plenty of Shinerbach <laughs> around me. I decided to go for more of the craft interest and then also with Lone Star as my main choice. Um, I so, mean, you're in Texas. And yeah, I know. For I fact, know. Like and there's so one many of your good favorites is the baby blue from Balcones. You couldn't even indulge in that. I know. So Balcones is one of my favorite brands. This was my one of my introductions into craft distilling uh, many years ago. The baby blue, oh, all corn, 100% corn whiskey. 100% blue is corn. Whiskey. So good, so tasty. One of my favorite um, uh, whiskeys still to this day. But anybody would ask me, probably within the last, uh, up till maybe the last year or so, we kind of get away from it as you drink more and more. But um, probably four years like four years in a row, if somebody asked me what's my favorite whiskey, mm-hmm. I'd think about it a little bit, maybe talk about um, the current distillery or other companies that I was working for, just to delay the answer a little bit. But uh, when I really thought about it, had a minute to kind of ponder on it, I would always come back to that baby blue. Um, really good stuff. Definitely, if you're ever in Texas and um, or if you're just shopping around looking for a nice little bottle, they have anything from like that $35, $38 dollar price, price range. It's yeah. gone down quite a bit. And then they have some limited edition stuff that gets over the $100 price range, but everything in between, too. Definitely a good choice. But, yeah, some of our friends that used to work at Balconies will be disappointed that they did not try any while I was <laughs> down there. Just mostly Lone Stars and some other beers. But I want to give a shout-out to Bass Drop Brewing Co. Yeah, had some good beer there. Other than that, um, not too much whiskey, unfortunately. I was, I was yeah, looking you know, forward to it. Funny, about Texas whiskey is interesting in a sense because craft distilleries down there, as, like you know, the guys over at Balcones, really do take advantage of that Texas heat. Um, and for some reason, they can just plop their barrels outside if they really needed to. And what would normally take a craft distillery up north, call it, a good four to six years, they can achieve it in three, three to four, I would say, considering the heat that they get. And then the cold snap isn't really long. So did you experience the full cold snap or was it just the whole time or just a few days? Uh, The weather. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, it was was 75 when I landed and uh, the next day it was about 42 and rainy and windy with like 25 mile per hour winds. But nobody wants to hear us talk about the weather really. (laughs) I'm uh, sorry. I'm just... I'm really excited about what's coming up. I mean, we're going to yeah. hit 50 in a couple, two, three days. So it's exactly. like, I'm and, really excited um, about it. For those of you that don't know, um, <laughs> Chicago is a big outdoor summer city. We drink on patios. We drink in the park. We drink at the lake. We drink everywhere we possibly can for about three to four months because then we are inside the rest <laughs> of the year. So we really, yeah. really, really love our time out on patios. When it's 50 degrees here on, I think, Saturday or Sunday, people will literally open their patios for the first time and people will go drink on those when this it's 50 degrees where and like their parka still because it's still windy here and uh, cold but yeah it's kind of what we do we're definitely going to be talking about some spring cocktails coming up probably yes. in, in the near future with our pod- with the podcast but um, everything else in between then we'll see uh, kind of what comes up with uh, everything this month you're going down to, you're going down to uh, South Carolina right? Um, I'm going for a long weekend okay. yeah I'm leaving on a um, on a Friday early afternoon and gotcha. I'll be back on mon- early Monday so I can hit um, the market. Any distilleries you can check out down there? Yeah, actually, I'm going to go check out uh, Charleston Distilling Co. Um, down in Charleston. Um, they actually are going to be moving into a new bigger and um, bigger space because they are getting a 50-foot still uh, column. So the nice. current space that is in smack dab middle of Charleston <laughs> won't facilitate that. Nice. So they got to go out into the country. So they're going from King Street, downtown Charleston, to Johns Island. Very cool. Uh, which is considered countryside to them. And then um, I'll be heading over to a place called Hometown Barbecue. All right. 
in uh, West Ashley. He's licking his lips if you can't tell. Yeah, it's well, you just, can't tell because it's a podcast. I, the 2019 <laughs> cocktail competition winner is the actual head bartender there, so uh, nice. I pinged her um, now that she's actually the official cocktail of the Charleston uh, Wine and Food Fest that's currently going on right now. Cool. Um, so I'll be meeting them, and then uh, I'll be also meeting Virgil Kane, uh, another South Carolina distillery. I'm very excited to meet them as well. Definitely. Yeah, it's going to be a great trip. Yeah, it's short kinda, but great. Yeah, um, this is the last thing. Kind of, we uh, we have a special guest this uh, this episode, uh, Matthew Brown from Blom Brothers. He's a uh, self proclaimed sales boy of the company. Um, <laughs> whenever he wants to talk about that and that what that job description entails, he can definitely do that as he comes on. Um, we're going to talk about kind of what's going on in legislation right now with craft distillers here in Illinois. Yes. Uh, it's really cool. They're they're down lobbying on uh, the Wednesday to try to get try to allow distillers to sell more proof gallons outside of their tap room and uh, gift shops. Right now, the current legislation allows for 25, ha- 25 gallons um, per year to be sold out of tap rooms and gift shops. It's not a very high number for no. some craft distillers because it's only been around for 8 to 10 years. For other ones, it's a very high mark to approach. And uh, I could see definitely that some other ones have nothing to worry about it. But some of the bigger guys, people that have a lot of plans for expansion, um, yes. they want to have all the opportunity, the opportunity to also sell other distilleries and other spirits outside, out of their, out of their tap room. So that might be having um, a full bar and being able to do that. So there's a lot of opportunity there for craft distillers to grow, which only creates more business for the state. But uh, if you haven't, if you aren't familiar with Illinois or Chicago in general, uh. with our <laughs> with our laws and, and all of our interests, uh, it's a bit of a shifty organization, shifty state, if you will, yeah. shifty yeah. city. Uh, it's called the Windy City for a reason, but I'm not going to say that <laughs> because yeah, it's been played out too it's, much. Uh, but, it is a challenge. It is a challenge, but it's fun. Yeah, it's, it, it's still fun. I mean, it's definitely is. What can you do? You know, um, it's a tax on tax on tax. Yeah. You know, but I'm. You know, I. I represent, obviously, a distillery that's not in the state of Illinois, but I do, we do have good friends that are obviously uh, part of Illinois-based distilleries, and we can't help but root for them, you know, and and hope that they are able to grow their business. That's essentially, this is what it's all about. Definitely. Growing your business, being able to reach out into further markets. A lot of guys like, oh, they're uber local because the current legislation in place doesn't allow for them to uh, grow. So that being said, they won't be, you know, why invest if you're not, if it's not going to go anywhere? So they, you know, this is going to allow them to really, truly grow their small businesses. Yeah, and that's what every opportunity, or every um, business wants to do as when they first start anyway. And probably a lot of these distillers had no idea how much they were actually going to produce. This is true. They first that's a good point, first, too. They just wanted to get out on the shelves. Yeah. Um, now, which is great, is actually shows the expansion of these distilleries that uh, how much they how much they want to sell out of their yeah. out of their gift shops, out of their um, tasting rooms as well. So it's a pretty exciting time for that. I will let Matt mostly talk about that, his yeah. experience down there, um, organizing with other distillers. And that's one of the cool opportunities I want to really talk about as well is that this is a very tight-knit community. Along, like the breweries, yeah. the distilleries can be very tight-knit. And when you have multiple distilleries going down to Springfield, which is the capital of Illinois, uh, to lobby on the part of this whole ind- industry, this whole craft industry, yeah. it's really cool to see the uh, with the collaboration and the uniting of that and see how it all worked out for them. Um, yes. Other than that, we'll probably uh, have Matt come on here real soon. I think he just got yeah. up to Be- Beguile. He just It'd texted be me. So, <clears throat> yeah, it'll definitely be good to talk to Matt about all that stuff, even though he is a Liverpool fan and I'm an Everton <laughs> fan. We'll bring that up, I'm sure. But, um, That'll come up, I'm sure, we'll, first we'll, we'll speak to you. So. <laughs> we'll speak to you in a, we'll speak to you in a couple minutes, and we'll have Matt along with us from Blonde Brothers. See you in a bit. <laughs> All right, we're back, uh, everybody. Uh, Matt is here with us. <laughs> Wilson wants to give you the formal in- uh, introduction because uh, he has a saying that goes along with him. <laughs> if you're not down with Matt Brown, then you're just not down at all, period. Once you meet Matt, you either are a fan, you're in love with him, or you can just not say any two shits about him and you can just turn around and walk the same I think he's going to kiss him now. I may. I may just have to kiss Matt. Let me tell you... <laughs> Not many people walk away. It's usually the former. Hello. <laughs> Welcome, Matt. Hi, guys. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. It's uh, my pleasure. Thank you, you have so beer, much. you have whiskey, you got a microphone, so yes. all good to go from there. 
Um, Matt's here basically, like I said earlier uh, with our introduction, is that he's here to talk about the lobbying that's going on for craft distillers to be able to sell more and basically become on par with other uh, people inside of the alcohol industry, if that's fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Ted, take us through what happened on Tuesday and Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, you know, give us a yes. little take Oh, yeah. Yeah, you yeah, know what I mean? Definitely. Yeah. Just not I wish we could just jump in here. Well, I, yeah, I, I yeah. should maybe talk I mean, about where you fit into this whole industry. Sure. Yeah. sure. Give us a little, a little synopsis of who Matt Brown is. Okay. Hello. Uh, my name is Matthew Brown. <laughs> I'm a little I'm from fan. Oak Park, Illinois, born and raised. I weigh 190 pounds. <laughs> Dang. I'm about 5 foot 10 inches. I would give you 5'11. Oh, thank you. Five, ten and a half, we'll meet in the middle. Okay, so I work for Blom Brothers Distilling Company out of Galena, Illinois. We've been around for five years. Um, so we are um, one of the 28 uh, member distilleries of the ICDA, Illinois Craft Distillers Association. So we are the lobbying trade organization craft guild for, uh, for Illinois distilleries. Uh, I don't... Did I mention this? Uh, we, uh, 26 or 28 members, something 28. like that. 28. Um, so, yeah. So, the big push this legislative session is for um, what, Jake, you were, you were mentioning, is basically parity with uh, um, Illinois' wine, winemakers and, and brewers. So, um, uh, so, we're asking for a few things from Illinois lawmakers. One um, is limited self-distribution. Now, this isn't something like that Blom Brothers really needs or it's not even like in our business plan to yep. do. It, but it's something that beer makers and winemakers can do. And how this would help out the little guys, you know, the, the not, well, not little guys, but I, I guess little guys or newer guys um, in the ICDA is, you know, they're in places like Plainfield, Illinois, um, Peru, Illinois, yeah. DeKalb, these places that um, uh, don't really have a huge distribution. Oh, man. But let's put a pin in distri- distributors. Yeah. I'll, do, I'll come back to yeah. what yeah, actually uh, I'm talking let's about. Let's note that. Yeah, yeah, note definitely. Yeah, so, that's when I really want to go. <laughs> okay, yeah. So these places, um, these young guys uh, who are just starting out, um, who... Uh, might struggle at first to get a distributor to sell their products to retailers and bars, um, uh, or or they uh, are in places that are just underserved by distributors. Correct. You know, they're yeah. all based in Chicago. Right. You know, and if you're a young distillery in Peru, mm-hmm. you could self-distribute a little bit of your alcohol. You know, to the surrounding retailers and bars in your neighborhood, and then basically turn around and go over to a distributor and be like. Hey, buddy, a couple dozen accounts already in the bank. Yeah. How do you feel about that? And yeah. then a distributor is much more likely to Definitely. pick you up. Correct. So, this is what Star Union's doing down there. Um, yeah. Their new distillery. Exactly. Their new brand exactly of distillery, Spirits Distillery, uh, down in Peru, Illinois, which is in the western part of the state. Uh, been, they've been at it for three years building that distillery. Beautiful distillery. Yes. Um, bringing so much uh, back to that community where yep. it's not much there. Um, if, you no. drive, if you drive through, it's right off I-80, you drive through, there's so many closed restaurants, so many closed buildings you see just from the interstate. I have family that lives down there as well, and they've been excited about this, anticipating this uh, distillery opening, because it's basically creating a community center Definitely. Um, sure. for that whole input. So it helps the state grow, helps the city grow, helps people yes. come to that area as well, because next to uh, Starved Rock was a very popular uh, hiking site, so it's going to bring in a tourism back to this community, but... Yeah. With distributors, yeah. it can... Right. So... Did they occupy what was at one point either a brewery or a distillery? There was an old clock, was an old, uh, oh, clock, okay. clock factory. factory. And it's huge. And this it's building is enormous. <laughs> it's yeah, haunted. it's quite... So it's... No, a, I don't play around with that. It's like, no. Yeah. Ghosts. Yeah. Anyway, so... <laughs> it's like 250,000 square feet. people. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's Stop. huge. Yeah, it's huge. It is big. Yeah, so it's... The space. Yes, yes. The the space is uh, it's enormous. So they're actually not the only facility in that. They're, yeah, I kind mean, of get back to your main point. Uh, is yeah, that, yeah. It's like yeah. a co-op or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, there's like a salon there. There's a yoga studio. There's like a jewelry factory and yeah, stuff. Cool. Like they're all in the same spot. And so what Matt's kind of alluding to with these new bills kind of passing, they're not going to sell based on distribution because there's not a lot of stores around there to purchase from. But yeah. people are going to come to their distillery to drink to hang out. 
and that's what their sales are going to be based off of. Yep. So how can that can help those distilleries, if you want to go into that? Exactly. So um, I need more Old Forester. Yes. So here's, I'll, I'll really quickly touch on this too. So um, winemakers and beer can self-distribute a little bit. Liquor can't. We have to sell through the three-tier system. Correct. So the distributors, what I'm talking about is me, a, a distillery, has to sell to a distributor who sells to the retailer, to the end, end consumer. So I, can't, I can sell two ways, to a distributor right now or to, out of my front of house. Yep. So that comes to the second thing that um, we're really looking for this legislative season um, that's kind of existentially affecting Blom Brothers is right now we can only sell 2,500 proof gallons from our doors, either bottles or from our bar. So we hit that last year, 2018. Oh, really? We hit 2,500 gallons. Before and the holidays. Before, yeah, by about um, mid-November, we started making this plan for hitting the hitting that ceiling. And December 15, uh, we pulled all the bottles from our gift shop, and uh, just had to. Yeah, I mean, we couldn't we couldn't sell anything. We still had our bar, so we could we could still sell cocktails. But you couldn't sell packaged goods. We couldn't sell packaged well. goods from our door. Now, I mean, not to play devil's advocate, but how much do you think you missed out on? <laughs> Especially well, during the holidays. Especially season. during the holidays. As someone who used to manage. In Galena. Now, if you guys don't know Galena, Illinois, 1.2 million unique visitors to Galena I mean, a year, how, according to the Chamber of Commerce. And how much of that is over the holidays? Because it's. I mean, nearly all of it. Exactly. I mean, we have a ski hill. Yeah. We have, there's a ski hill in Galena. And then before that, it was the whiskey. No, yeah. that was just. That was past. January. That was yeah. January. Because if for people who are unfamiliar with Galena, Galena is one of the river cities, towns, if you will. Um, Mississippi River that built up tourism. They built these basically places to come, tourist attractions. There's some other places like LeClaire, Iowa, down um, mm -hmm. down the river, and it's just expanded, expanded every single year. And yep. Blonde Brothers definitely helps with that. So yeah. there's always a high amount of tourism that comes through from the holiday season and also during the um, summer spring months as well. Yeah. So that's a lot of taking from a guy who used what? to manage a gift shop, a tasting room um, for a distillery. Yeah, <laughs> I did that. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know the rush that you get. You know how often. Now, see, that's the thing. When you see yourself getting to that point of reaching that maximum, you kind of start hating the fact that you're in this system. Right. It's just not a hate because I don't like to use that word because it's a strong word. But you start to panic. Because, well, you know, to, to put it this way, quite frankly, it's we felt uh, um, punished by our own success. That's you know? Absolutely correct. I mean, yes, the twenty. Punished. And here's the thing: twenty-five hundred proof gallons is maybe about. Oh man, that's a lot of bottles. But it's not a crazy amount. And considering well, too, thirteen hundred bottles. Right. Yeah. A couple of years ago, that limit was five thousand. Like it recently, in a recent in a recent craft distillery omnibus bill where we got some other concessions, Interesting. W they took it down to twenty five hundred gallons. So was there a well, reason for that? No, just I mean it was compromises with the distributor lobbies. Just Illinois politics. Exactly. So um, we want that raised to ten thousand, which is still pretty modest. Yeah. So and that ten thousand gallons, that proof gallons that we can sell at the front door isn't coming from nowhere. It's at. Um, it comes from this. Um, 3%, uh, uh, so craft distillers in the United States have 3% of the market share in okay. distilling, uh, in spirits. Um, of that 3%, 90% of those distilleries um, sell less than 10,000 proof gallons in a oh. year. Oh, wow. So it's actually, it's fairly comprehensive because almost everyone with a craft distillery license sells below that. Oh. So, yeah. That's 12,800 bottles. Wilson's yeah. doing math. I like it. Yeah. We're probably not going to sell that much. I mean, it would be great. For 10,000? That's yeah. what it is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we'll, it, it, would, it would be... Um, but would go, I may not have carried... But what if, I mean, there's, right. there always is that, opportun that, oppor <laughs> yeah. that potential opportunity that someone comes in and is like, hey, I want to buy a thousand bottles from my company. Well, there's just so many opportunities. There's so many applications. Yeah. There's catering. There's, uh, yeah. you know, there's just so much. There's so many... What, what is some Wilson, thing? I'm so glad you brought up catering. <laughs> so here's another thing we're looking for. This is why, like I said, I, and, and, I, and I've shared this with Matt on a face-to-face -face level. Um, 
That's Matt a lie. Is, We've never met before. This is true. Um, and only in our dreams. Um, because I dream about a market that's full of individuals like a Mr. Matt Brown here that really do put their passion, their, their intelligence, and their own self-being and personality into what we do on a day-to-day basis. And it makes the industry that much more fun. Yes. yes. And yeah. also, I have to do that because this is the only thing I can do now. <laughs> Are you tired? This is it. So yeah, I'm in forever. Um, what, even non-compete for the whole world? Yeah, well, the, I, yes. And, and this is again. all that's on my resume after yeah, all. It's just right? yeah. being in bars and restaurants and now this. Definitely. So, so I... <laughs> Wilson, I said, I'm so glad you brought this up, and then I forgot what you brought catering. up. Catering. catering. Okay. We're going back to catering. Um, so. We have a pin, pin, pin distributor. Yes. Yeah. Okay. No, I got to that, did we? Yeah, yeah we got, got yeah, it. I mean, we'll talk about I, that I think later. Wilson, Wilson probably has more frustrations. We can talk about this later. We can talk more about So, catering. So, currently, winemakers and brewers from their tasting rooms or brew pubs um, can sell um, other companies' wines, spirits, and beers. Um, which makes them also great, attractive options for special events, weddings, and stuff like that. Yeah. You yeah. know what? Distillers can't. They can't do it. No. They can only sell what they make. We can only sell what we can make. We can correct. Which is, which is crazy. And, um, I mean, it just seems like a no-brainer, guys. If yeah. we were allowed to do that, not only, we would basically be the customers of the distributors then, Definitely. too, because yeah. we'd be right. buying stuff from them. And what, what, what we lose, though, in that, and I pardon me for interrupting. I think we lose track of the fact that we're not the distributor's customer. They're ours. That's a good point. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's we, a good point. We lose track of that when we're out in the market. That's true. Because I mean, we, we know we have to depend on And you on see that. the frustration. Yes. I mean, I'm not going to name out names. I'm not going to say distributors or anything like that or even the brands. But you can go to a, you can go to a bar and as a rep for a distillery and say, all right, well, we're going to buy 10, we're going to buy 12 bottles, that's two cases of alcohol right there. Mm-hmm. And then you can go to the distributor and say, I got you, here you go. Here's, yeah. here's, here's two cases to go, go ahead and just go ahead and sign yeah. it. And yes. they can say no. Right. They, and that can cut off your sales. That can cut off the sales of your distillery. Yes. Cut off your personal sales, which you try to make as a salesman as well right. um, mm-hmm. when it comes to bonuses. And just having it out there and wanting your product to be more present inside of the, yes. inside yes. of the industry, inside of community. Right. Um, like in Chicago, we're such an ever-competing industry with just ourselves as craft yeah. distillers. True. So for context, I, so as far as the three-tier system goes in, and this is going kind of back to distributors, what we had pinned. pinned. <laughs> we're taking a pin out. We're taking we're, we're taking, taking a pin, a pin out, out. A pin out of the voodoo doll. So, for instance, uh, I'm the sales manager for Blonde Brothers. So I do a lot of face to face. I'm the sales wench for <laughs> Blonde Brothers. I'm the buttery scullion for Blonde Brothers. So I can I can go in and talk to you if you own a bar or you do the buying for a bar until I'm blue in the face about buying our product, but. I to get you over the line. Oh, also, I can't legally quote your price on no, what my stuff. No. Correct. I mean, most of How? us do, anyways. But you know, yes. anyway. So that I have to. Us and our ten listeners. Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> so um, to to get to get you to get a sale, I have to then turn around, and talk to the distributor rep, and be like, "Hey, um, Wilson's Tavern is interested in a case of Blonde Brothers," and then. You yeah. pre- pretty much have no follow through. Yeah. yeah. Or no, you have no way of directly, like, you know, making someone follow through or whatever. You're just o- totally up to the whim of the distributor rep, depending on how much they like you, how much they like your brand that month Definitely. or whatever. Yeah. You know? That's true. That's a very good point. But at the same time, I like Matt and this, you know, the sales wench for my current, <laughs> you know, distribu- uh, distillery. But I think what I've learned... A couple of wenches on this side of the table. <laughs> I have nobody's wench. you see how Jake has adjusted himself? He, like, kind of, like... He took a power face. move. We're both leaning towards <laughs> one mic. Jake is leaning back. I'm leaning back with one mic. With kind of one smart, mic. Sticking up, uh, kind of, on my, laying on my stomach, if you will. His personal assistant is uh, fanning him with a large palm frond. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm so hot. If he could turn a little bit and get all three of us... <laughs> You know, it is Please. 62 degrees up here in the top uh, warehouse 
entrance part of uh, Beguile, so I think it's cool enough for all of us. But, you know, I'm wearing a sweatshirt, so well, I guess you guys are too. That's why too. I hired this young man to wave me down with this nice little palm tree <laughs> branch. So it's very nice, very relaxing. But at the same time, like I was saying, I mean... It's also because I'm an Everton fan. We don't. <laughs> You're right. We don't have that control of our distributors. Stuff, but at the same time, I've taken a firm kind of grip of the situation in yeah, my mind sure. of the sales um, yes. uh, process, I guess you can call it, and I guess. strong arm it through. So yeah, I don't hold hands true. anymore. Yeah. No, 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 you no, know no. what I'm saying? It's like, hey, I got this. Definitely. I immediately call the rep. If the rep's like, oh, well, you know, I'm like, all right, no problem. I immediately get that rep's district manager involved. Yes. Okay. Because we, in the craft spirits world, Mm-hmm. We are fighting for the same shelf space. Right. Yep. So if my bottle doesn't get on there before Matt's, I'm fucked. Right. I got to wait another yeah. year maybe Definitely. or a couple quarters or the change of seasons where they see that, all right, Blonde Brothers are doing well. We're going to keep them on the shelf. What, what's not moving right. that yeah. we can replace with Wilson stuff? And before Matt got here, we talked about how um, – you guys were talking before I got here. Just a little bit behind your back. Oh, we love, love, just a little about you a little bit just too. Little bit. Yeah, fine, whatever. About Stephen, I'll hear it. I'll hear it. It's mostly about Stephen Gerard. This is true. He, but, oh. um, but no, uh, we we talk about how <laughs> how basically how the distilleries can unite on these single I don't know, causes, if you will, or even how it, yes. it, it can be a tight knit community. It's very much exemplified right here with you two. Um, Wilson's Distillery is out of Kansas City, as many of you know. But at the same time, he works in this market, and you guys can sit down and have this conversation together. What kind of brings us back to that whole bill yeah. is it bringing um, distilleries together so they can all basically prosper. Yeah. And we're not going to compete with the big guys, obviously. I don't no. know why I'm saying we. I, I, I feel like I have a voice for craft distilleries because <laughs> I've only worked in craft distilling, but uh, <laughs> I just write about it and now podcast about it. But uh, at the same time, it's really cool to see how the unification is here at this table, but also within the bill of, this, yeah. of the state, too. One of, one of my colleagues uh, at the ICDA, Nick Nagley, the president of our vice president and uh, co-founder of Whiskey Acres Distiller from DeKalb, yeah. co- calls us, uh, uh, c- calls a co-opetition yeah. or something <laughs> like that. So I like that. At the end of the day, we all, we're all on the same side. I mean, yeah. all, all, truly, all, the rising tide lifts mm-hmm. all boats. And we're Absolutely. we're all after at the end of the day, we all just want people to drink a little differently. Hopefully, drink a little better. Some yeah. boats are bigger than others. Kind of Some same. boats are bigger than others. <laughs> well, and, but it's interesting. I mean, like I, I see commercials for big distilleries on TV. Yes. And they don't even have their correct history in the commercial. No. And you're just thinking, here's these guys who've been around for ten years, eight years, whatever it may be, in the last decade, yeah. and they can tell you face to face, this is how we started. This was our plans. Yeah. This is where we yeah. want to go. And for the state not to recognize that, where it's only going to enhance everybody when it comes to profits sure. of the state, profits of the community, profits yeah. of the distillery as well. And that's not going to take away from making really great product. You're still no. going to be a craft distillery hand-making all this stuff in your small mm-hmm. distilleries. Small. Because the jump from 2500 to 10000 is not extreme no. when it comes to potential. Um, Correct. And it's, it's a large gap when you think about it as selling. <clears throat> there's a lot of money in between to gather a lot of that. But you're still not crafting like, you know, doing... a a constant distillation throughout every single day. You're still doing what? What do you guys do? Two distillations a day? We can pretty much make uh, 70 gallons of whiskey a day. Okay. Which is like a barrel plus a quarter of a barrel. Yeah. It's not a ton. Are you guys doing 52 gallons? 52 gallons? Yeah, 53 gallon barrels. Everything is, we don't have, yeah. Yeah. Good. For a couple years now, we have about 800 barrels laid down. Um, all 53-gallon barrels, yep. mostly bourbon and rye, but we have some other fun stuff. Cool. Who, who knows? So where do you – what was the feedback uh, this week? What oh, we, yes. Yeah. Thank you. So <laughs> um, so uh, I went down there with some key ICDA members. Uh, Noelle DiPrizio is our president, so she's the co-founder of uh, Chicago Distilling, um, Whiskey Acres, Black Dog um, Distilling out of Plainfield, um, uh, the guys from Peru. Yeah. What's that Star place? Union. Star, Star Union, Union, of course. Really cool, really cool brandy distillery. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we went down there with a couple of uh, a, a, a group of people who really spanned the whole state. And the response we got from the response we got from the lawmakers was like, "Great, this is uh, this is um, 
all common sense. You guys are just looking for yeah. for parity with uh, winemakers and brewers. You know, this sounds great. And then they would invariably ask, who opposes this? And then, of course, then we would say, well, WISD, Wine and Spirits Distributor of Illinois, the, yeah. the big uh, distributor lobbying group. And then they'd say, oh, okay, all right, well, interesting. So... So just like anything else in politics, whoever is uh, representing the most amount of money exactly. gets the largest voice. So, so, here, so here's the thing. WISD is super old. They've been in Springfield forever. They're super well-connected to politicians. Um, but at the end of the day, I think what, we're, what we have is a very popular bill. Um, here's the thing, though. Lawmakers, regardless of what side of the aisle they're on, regardless of their, their small business, big mis- business, you know, wherever they come from, uh, in the state of Illinois, they don't want to have a bill like this that's about distilleries, not like minimum wage or like marriage equality. It's not this like sexy social justice issue. It's about distilleries. So they don't want to come to the floor and have this tumultuous time passing a bill that that gets past seven six or whatever. They don't want to do that. They're like so when they hear there's oppositions, they say, look get with the distributors, iron this out, yeah. because we don't want to have to have the... We, wanna, we want you guys to present a bill with the help of the distributors that you will all agree on. Yeah. So that's the real... So now the task is to make sure we have good presence with our lawmakers so, and so they, will, they will turn back to distributors and tell them the same thing. Tell them that they need to compromise with us. So you think you'll meet halfway in the middle somewhere? Sure. No one gets a full loaf. Yeah. Um, uh, and 5000 would help out, obviously, if you guys. Sure. I mean, like, yeah. I need to say it's, that Blom Brothers, Blom Brothers is one of the bigger craft distilleries in Illinois. Yeah, um, so, so when you guys have to shut down your doors of selling those bottles yeah. off the shelf during the holidays last year, that's a very, you know, as you gave the stats earlier, it's a very minor amount of companies that are facing that problem. Yeah. But we are also Just all us. growing. We're also exactly. all wanting to have more tap rooms, more more right. spaces to sell those stores. Um, and that's what I was that's yeah. what I was saying in Springfield too. Like this year it was Blom Brothers, next year it'll be Blom Brothers and CH. Then a year after yes. that it'll be Blom Brothers, CH, Whiskey Acres, Star Union, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, definitely. I mean Star Union, they they might be young, but they are like you said 5 miles away from Star Rock, Absolutely. one of the most popular tourist right. yeah. destinations in Illinois, so yeah, place, I mean we're all heading there. Absolutely. There's places um out in like Montana, uh, I can't I think it's Glacier Distilling um, out by uh, Glacier Park out there in Montana. They rely solely on customers driving by because they have two million visitors that come by every yes. single year and drive mm-hmm. and drive right past the distillery. They have a tap room, a small a small distillery, mm-hmm. but they don't they don't even need distribution. They rely sure. completely on that bottle being sold off their shelf inside of the, inside of there. So yeah. as more places grow within Illinois and there becomes more of a map for distilleries to go to throughout mm-hmm. the state, it's becoming more of a tourist destination. We see yes. it here growing every single month with this the craft true. distillers. Go ahead. Yes. This is true. You know, one thing that in regard, um, and we'll touch base on this, I'm sure Matt will, what I the love, the perspective that he brings because Matt's um, distillery, Blanc, Jake Brown just brother. walked away. Did you just walk away? He's turning the heat he, back he on. Power, oh. That was a power move. <laughs> he just walked. Oh. He left us to our own the, devices. Yeah, the guy that's fanning you right now can he get you a blanket or something well you know he's busy um getting me a blanket oh. but also fanning me at the same time so i said hey you know Surrey. what kind sir take gotcha. a break and gotcha. we'll we'll get you I'll, I'll turn the heat on Good. just keep following me around that way <laughs> i can tell you those are getting cold because Jake's i have a, I, trying to pretend he's a man of the people right now <laughs> that's a, a big so mistake yeah. Yeah. So you know as we're sitting here talking about craft distilleries <laughs> i'm i'm really more about the big guys <laughs> No, I do have a, a fiance that does work for Jim Beam, so you know, and I had mm. some Jim Beam and Bud, Budweiser beer. Full disclosure. But, yeah, but he's also has that running through his blood too. So, yeah, there's a lot going what, on. What beer or whiskey? Uh, whiskey. Oh, the Beam history. Can I drink so much? Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. The Beam history. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Remember from your first you know episode? Your <laughs> yeah. Me and Wilson listens to the show. I mean, do you? I don't think he listens to his own thing. <laughs> Well, you know, um, part of the problem is that we drink too much, and I have no idea what I said. No, I'm just joking. Yes, uh, there is that part of uh, 
my history. But no, it's also a, I do appreciate craft distilling because that's where I basically have been in yeah, through my whole time through the spirits the spirits uh, industry. Right. But, but um, I think what Matt also to get back to before I forget it because, serious notes. Um, Matt, maybe you can, t- you can and I'm so many questions, but did Blom Brothers at one point in at the, obviously since the beginning sourced their juice oh yeah while you guys while yep. you aged while yep. you all aged what you guys wanted to bring to market right can you touch and one of the things that I really a in regards to the legislation that's on the floor right now because you sourced does that still apply to you what the 2500 yeah whatever yeah, whatever you sell out so the front door. anything out the front door. Okay, anything cool. you, so you sell alright so you answer that question now you can offer us the insight as to now yeah. Now switching it up. Switching it up. Well, yeah. Transition. How, how much were you sourcing? How much were you crafting? So yeah. the whole, the, the mission of Blom Brothers was to create a classic tasting, classic production, like 53-gallon barrel, um, long-age time bourbon. Um, that was always the mission. Um, to get there, uh, in, the, in the meantime, you know, we also we wanted to sell whiskey too, so we yep. bought it from um, MGP, uh, formerly the Seagram's Lawrenceburg plant in in Indiana. So um, we sourced MGP stuff for a long time. So um, it, we had our our brand um, Notter Bourbon, um, the <laughs> the not right the N O T and the O U R in Notter and Bourbon were like highlighted, so it said not our bourbon, <laughs> and it said. The, the finest straight bourbon whiskey we never distilled right on the front. <laughs> there you so go. we um, we sort yeah, exactly. So we sourced whiskey for a while. What um, year is that? Uh, we started. Oh geez, Louise. Probably in 2015, those first bottles came out. We started. Okay. We started. We opened doors December 2000, 2013. We started distilling our own our own bourbon immediately. Okay. Um. So that was always going. That was always the goal. We never wanted to be rectifiers, you know. We never wanted to uh, just bottle other people's stuff, but we did, it was a necessary evil, and it was fun to do, you know. Yeah. So we did that for a number of years. Um, we released three, four, and eventually five-year-old versions of Natter Bourbon as it aged, you know. Um, now, our, our most, like, nationally well, well, well-known, renowned product is called Old Fangled Natter Bourbon, which is um, cast strength... Uh, um, small batch MGP stuff aged. Uh, it's now 12 years old. Yeah, it's good. So, it's very good. Yeah. so here's the, here's kind of the history with the MGP stuff. So, at the beginning of doing that, it was really like pulling teeth trying to explain to customers mm-hmm. what source whiskey was, why we were super transparent about it. So, um, that was the whole education piece on it. Yeah. Um, it was tough, you know. Um, as recently. If old Fangled fans out there might be shocked to know that, like, as recently as, like, November, December 2017, I was begging stores to bring it in. Now, you know, the the worm has turned as it would because <laughs> everyone loves MGP stuff, you know? I mean, yeah. people have... have now uh, it's come had, to, to yep, surface. Had, come, had, had their come-to-Jesus moment where, like, yeah. I don't yeah. care if they didn't distill it themselves... Because stuff from MGP is fucking good. Yeah, you it's know? funny because we're, we're talking it's about right now because a friend of uh, uh, mine is developing her own whiskey company right now and oh. is thinking about sourcing it from sure. MPG. And I'm helping her do with the marketing stuff and some of the graphics, work, work on all of that. Mm-hmm. And we we're just having this conversation literally at 10 o'clock this morning over some coffee. Yes. And maybe some bourbon, too. Oh, uh, well, of but, course you did. But we were just talking about how... Of course you did, my dear boy. Uh, on a whiskey Such podcast. A bad boy. But we were talking about how... You know, five years ago, yes. no one even knew what MPG was. No, no. one even knew that source distilling. MGP. I always mix it up. Miles per gallon. I, I always want to say, no, I always want to say uh, MVP. Oh, that's yes, why. of course. I, I don't know why. I'm like, that's yeah. where my head is. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no one even know, knew that, that basically so much whiskey was being sourced out of these distilleries. No, I mean, um, all of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And no one really knew that at all. And then one distillery gets sued over it. And it brings it to light. You don't have Temp- to say. It. You can't Temp- say it. Temp- Templeton. Say it. it from your home state, bro. Well, you know, it's from my home, my family's home. Actually. Your home state. Yeah. Well, no, my family is actually from about twenty miles south of Temple, west of Templeton, somewhere oh. over there. These little small towns. Oh my. Still Iowa, dude. 
But uh, yeah, but anyway, no one knew what was actually <laughs> happening inside the whiskey industry, and then they right. every for about a year or two it gets all crazy about it. Like yes. I don't want to drink this whiskey. No, no, no. But then it is, now everyone's like transparent about it, and you realize there is really great stuff. If you build it, but don't. Well, yeah. If so you, if you do um, build it, they will come. That's on a way the, opposite part. The, of the Lord. State. <laughs> there's there's uh, a lot more to Iowa than just Field of Dreams. <laughs> Nobody cares. Anyway, yeah, so no, the Lawrence, we were talking about MGP. The distillery in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, has been uh, making bourbon forever. Basically, I mean, it's MPG. So it used to be called LDI, and it was owned by Seagrams. It was actually owned by Guinness for yeah, a while. Yeah. So Guinness owned uh, a whole lot of distilleries in... And in the 1800s, one of the largest plants like this existed in Peoria, Illinois, yes. actually. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah, it's yeah, crazy. They just... I oh, know, yeah, they well, disappeared. Like prohibition. Prohibition, yeah. Ugh, prohibition uh, right? And then, what, only six survived? And then from there, how many revived from original from original standing? Well, if you want to talk about going the numbers of that... We're going on a tangent over here right now, too. <laughs> yeah, we'll, 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 we'll stay on the focus. <laughs> Hi, guys, I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Brown, Blonde Brothers. Hello, <laughs> nice to meet craft you, boys. Pin it, pin they, were, they were all craft distilling back then. They were actually hand-making it. They were just stirring so, the mash. Do you guys stir the mash? Anyway, so, no, we don't... I, get, I mean, I, yeah, we stir the mash. Who knows? Hand, hand by hand? I'm not in production, <laughs> guys. I'm in the sales talk, force. Talk about mash. No. Okay. So we got you have had your no. I was, just, I was saying I was thinking rye. How much we, mash was lost this week by by Barton? Oh yeah. I think it's an insurance scam. I'm saying it right now. <laughs> They collapsed that warehouse themselves. They spilled all this match themselves. Yeah. It's no all one marketing. No from Keen the Lake podcast is saying yeah. this. I, I am not saying that. Matt Brown, a Blom <laughs> Brothers distilling company, is accusing Barton, a subsidiary of Sazerac Incorporated, of insurance fraud. Market right now. It's, it's been a weird year for them. So, MGP. So, anyways, it's good stuff. We used to buy it, and then we stopped. So, um, our... <laughs> Our distillate became ready. Uh, uh, the first thing we bottled was a um, a small batch of, well, kind of a medium-sized batch of uh, rye whiskey that was two years old mm-hmm. and finished in Port Madera, Neutral Oak, and ex-bourbon barrels nice. um, in Thanksgiving 2017. So that was called Fever River Rye. Um, that's gone now. Um, it's a good problem to have. You know, It's still yeah. on some shelves and bars and stuff, but that's pretty much gone. We sold it all. Um, along with the younger, the five-year-old Natter bourbon. So what we have now, now is our, our straight bourbon, the stuff that we distilled, yeah. our three. Um, thank you. Yeah, uh, thank you. Your checks are in the mail. I appreciate oh, it. All right. Yep. First sponsor of the podcast. So, <laughs> I know, That's great. Hi, this is Matt from Blonde Brothers <laughs> presenting to you Key in the Lake podcast. Do you know what Key in the Lake means? No. Anyways, so... <laughs> so, our, so... Our distillate is out at the same time as Old Fangled Nodder Bourbon, 12-year-old cast strength MGP stuff that's become renowned as, I, you know, not to toot my own horn, but toot, toot, toot. Yeah. I think we have, you know, the best uh, non, I mean, the best MGP bottled stuff out yeah. there. That's another thing that goes back, back, go back to it. It's when people are sourcing these barrels from larger distilleries, mass distilleries that are contracting everything out. You can go down and pick your stuff, and that's the a really important part of it. Oh, I'm about to blow your friggin' mind, Jake. Blow it. Here it goes. MGP, <laughs> you other distilleries you might be able to, but MGP is a whiskey factory. Yes. You get what you get. There ain't no taste in what you end up purchasing. Well, you buy, you taste it after you purchase. You just kind of get what you get. There's yes, and there's other contractors you can buy it from that you yeah, can brokers, yeah. Yeah, yeah, brokers. Yeah, brokers. We didn't. W- okay, so we didn't do that with yeah. MGP. We and just bought what we bought. These brokers are probably buying from MGP in anyway. So yeah. it, for the most yeah, part, yeah. Um, it, I've heard. Just admit it. Is your mind blown right now, Jake? No, because I might have heard from somebody. That they went and tasted barrels at MGP. It's possible. Recently. I don't know. That's just what we did. I mean, obviously, you're probably buying on a much more mass. mass. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So, so it's hard. So, so it's hard to buy. You get like if you're going from barrel to barrel, you're not going to get the consistency from it anyway. No, no, no. We're so, buying hundreds of barrels. Exactly. So yes. It's a little bit different story there. And someone's sourcing maybe 50 that's to 100 lot, barrels. Yeah, absolutely. So yes. how much are you still sourcing now? None. Zero. None at all. None. Everything. Yeah, we we haven't. We yeah. We haven't bought any. 
MGP stuff in years. That's great. Year, year, yeah, years. I can say plural. So you're a true um, craft distillery. We're we're a true craft distillery. So no, but uh, I want to say that yeah. honestly though that when you, when you go to whiskey events, Blom Brothers does stand out uh, from the rest of their bourbons. I really enjoy their stuff. Their rise are really great as well. So um, I'm just trying to get back on that sponsorship right now. But uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice work, boy. That's where, that's where, that's here's where, your, that's here's your sack of cash. I'll hand us to the palm frond boy. That's where, to that's where it all ends for us. That the little boy left that was waving us with the thing. So, Matt, in, in regards to like when you go out in the market and you are now, hey, here's my juice. <coughs> yes. How, how? What's the transition? So, so at the like, edu- hey, Thanks for buying right. this stuff. The education, right? The education piece used to be like, what is source <clears throat> bourbon? Yeah. Now it's right. like, hey, we're not just about that, and building, like, connecting those dots is is uh, really difficult, you know. So, a couple of things they're not done exactly on purpose, but they are incidental. We use a similar mash bill between our products. Um, I mean, they're similar, like, um, really classically, uh, classic Kentucky. Uh, production style. So we're using the same basic yeast strain, not the same, not the same yeast strain, but the same yeast family as Buffalo Trace. Cool. Where our barrel entry point is one seventeen point five, which is right in that little low. Yeah. yeah. But it's in the it's in the. I, I like I like that level though. Yeah, yeah I mean that's like I think it offers little... itself. It opens itself more. for the masses. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> yeah, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here at all. We're do- going after a really classic flavor profile so i think that helps but yeah i mean our you know the old fangled and the um the blonde brothers straight bourbon don't the bottles don't look alike um the old fangled you're not really seeing on the shelves anymore because it sells out so quickly of retail so they have to um your your retailers have to hold it behind the um behind the desk and like their like special stuff bin you know which Allocated. Exactly, the allocated <laughs> items, yeah. which is, I mean, it's a great compliment, but we are right. missing out having Blonde Brothers and Old Fangled on, on the on the yeah. on the shelf next to each other. So, um, yeah, I Wait, mean, I'm it, sorry, can you say that again? So we're kind of missing out with a lot of retailers having the Blonde Brothers straight bourbon and the Old Fangled Nodder bourbon, the cast strength, twelve year old MGP stuff on the shelf next to each other. Yeah, right? how are you missing out? Uh, because the retailers aren't. Putting it on just right directly on the shelf. Oh, I see. You know what so I'm saying? So the natter yeah. behind exactly. the allocated. And right. Just, I'm sorry. Okay. On the shelf, gotcha. Basically, is what you're missing it, out on. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm missing that connective tissue a little bit. Yeah. Well, how do you overcome that? Uh, I'll let you know when we run out of old fangled. No, but I, you know, I. Mean, for I, those who have it allocated, yeah. they're sitting on. Sure. So they're looking for that that guy that specifically. What's comes the in. What's the price point? What's uh ninety ninety to one hundred? with crazy, the old fangled. Though. I mean, you see bottles on the shelves are one hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty. Yeah, sure. Without going to the back room. But the thing is, I, I can really only send an independent retailer a case to three cases. Gotcha. So and we only have six pack cases, so I'm really sending people at most eighteen bottles. Okay. So those those really do not to toot my own horn, but toot toot toot. Those sell out in a couple of days. That's you know. two of toot we got today. Did I yeah. to do that? Joke twice. Yeah, you're tooting yourself pretty good. Oh, yeah. I should go. I think, yeah. <laughs> Let's wrap this up. I mean, as a Liverpool supporter, oh, oh. I mean, we can get into it real quick. Uh, it's, it, it was, you know, I was very ambivalent about having Matt on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So uh, Matt and I. I've just been about two, three months now. Um, there's a bar we both frequent called AJ Hudson's. That's a great soccer bar here in Chicago. I walk in on a Wednesday afternoon, maybe, to watch a little Everton soccer. Uh, they are a club also based in Liverpool. I walk in and what a half. Sudden, their stadiums are a half mile away from each other. Yeah, yeah. You can literally I mean, that close. Yeah, they're across hear, a public park. Yeah, and a parking lot. You could, That's hear, you could there. hear the roars that they're both playing on the same. You Saturday, can hear the roar. But they usually don't do that because traffic would be a mess. But because yes. um, Liverpool is not the biggest city, but a nice city. I enjoyed it very much when I visited there and went to an Everton game. They beat the Saints. Actually, can you me. get to the point well, about anyway, whatever <laughs> trash you're going to talk about? I'm not talking trash at all. What can I talk about a team that's in the middle, middle of the league and the team that's second in the league right now, oh. holding on by a thread? They had a 10-point lead about a month ago, and now they are down one point to Man City for the overall championship of the EPL. But that's okay. And my, I mean, I can't say anything because Everton's like nine or ten place in the league on the table. But anyway, we back just to, lost all ten people that were 
Back to yeah. I mean, obviously, Matt's a little distraught about this. He's rubbing his head. I'm not ready. He's not, he's not ready. I'm not yet. ready for this conversation. I don't know why he's mad because their team is really great. This we year. have a a match against some shithole team on Sunday. I think Burnley. Who are yeah, been you play Burnley. Very bad. I, I have a few Liverpool players starting on my fantasy team because and then, the, okay, good. There's fantasy for a soccer. Oh, you better a Bayern uh, a Munchen on Wednesday and. Uh, in the Champions League, we have it all to play yeah. for. <laughs> what do you, yeah, what are you so sad about? It's Champions it's the it, it's the, we had our foot on the pedal and we just took it off. No, and we didn't even have so ever since um, January first. Yeah, uh, we've just completely um, took our foot off the pedal. We haven't bottled it. We haven't. It's been not for lack bad, of trying. But I mean, over the past seven matches, we've had like five draws or something, <laughs> and three of those have been zero zero. And this is a team that is. Uh, that has probably the, uh, that had last year's best goal scorer, Mohamed Salah, Sadio Mane, Bobby Firmino, like these wonderful forwards. Bobby's Brazilian. Yes, um, Roberto um, Firmino. <laughs> we have this wonderful team at, that was doing so well in the beginning of the season that it, it, it's just you know it. We could have taken such a great control of the season and we didn't do that. So but there's the easy way from this is that you could go into another industry that's not just drinking whiskey. You could go into soccer. Very no, passionate. You. No, uh, no, just you yeah, coach but a I can't get team, maybe? I can't get drunk as much. Uh, uh, actually, oh yeah, yeah good point. You, you can. You can. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the thing about Liverpool is we just got to keep it rolling. Got to find our you know form again. Jurgen Klopp's gonna have to try and rotate midfield a little bit. Get some of the other boys yeah, like Nabi Keita. You're getting a little too tactical now. Big number. Big no, one, no one knows who Jurgen Klopp is. Do you want me to? Do you want me to talk about whiskey again? Yes. I mean, we can talk about whiskey. Please. We can talk about Jurgen Klopp. We can talk about anything um, that you want to talk about. I'm a fan what, of Jurgen Klopp, even though I'm not a fan of Liverpool. One of my daughter's uh, books, Mr. Brown, whatever can move or whatever that children's book. Is that based book. on you, Doctor Seuss? Brown? It should be. Um, <laughs> it, it is now. Uh, Mr. Brown can move. Uh, the horse goes clop clop clop. K L O P P, just like the surname of Liverpool's coach, and I, was, I just find that interesting. But no, it was really great to have uh, Matt here because. This is a big. This is a big. Uh, big part of legislation that's being going on right now for craft distilleries yeah, because huge, when we first entered into the industry a few years back, yeah. there was barely any uh, remnants of craft distilling, and now that you guys are be able to go, not take on the big guys, but definitely be able to say, "Hey, we're here. We want to grow. We want to grow together." Um, as a distill, <laughs> I'm not sure why we're laughing. It was, it was such a classic. I don't know if it'll be picked up, but. The noise, the noise of Wilson uncorking my bottle yeah. was like we love the noise great foley, yeah. foley work. We couldn't do it. We couldn't do it the old Forester because it's a twist off. So no, it's a twist off. Now we have that. Um, but yeah, it was, it's really cool to see that the distillers are coming together yep. to unite and basically Definitely. become more of an industry within the state yes. because it's only ever growing. Um, with the breweries growing, yeah. I think we have two hundred twenty-five breweries now in, yeah. in Illinois. And most of six hundred six hundred brewery licenses. Is it that many? Six hundred brewery licenses. Wow, it's, that's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a lot. Maybe it's, oh, there's two hundred twenty-five in Chicago land area. There um, might be two hundred twenty-five. Well, what like breweries? Breweries. Yeah. Here, here's the thing. So we have the same thing with distillery licenses. Yeah. Like there is like sixty distillery licenses out there, but like re- realistically, like thirty-five are probably active. Yeah, and while those so licenses it's probably are probably, probably breweries buy a distillery license because actually sure. it's cheaper for them to do that than actually get a. Uh, um, alcohol license to sell yep. alcohol, sell alcohol yep. and make cocktails inside of their it's distillery. It's only 1800 bucks, guys, so if you have 1800 bucks, you can have a distillery license. Really? Yep, that's all. So why go nuts. I'm, I'm going to go downstairs and talk to Kevin about this right now, the owner <laughs> of the guy, because all I want to do is have him make delicious beer cocktails that Wilson and I have designed over the last few years yeah. with him in partnerships with other distilleries we've worked for in the past. So. Just, they can just distill uh, flannel pajamas. I bet it would be really, really good. I think so. That'd be great. Or Freebird. Really, free we had done some cocktails with flannel pajamas, so it's pretty tasty. Um, there you go. But, yeah, Matt, any uh, parting words? No. When's this coming out? Uh, we'll probably post this on Sunday evening, Monday morning. Can I plug something for March 25th? Absolutely. Yeah. Great. So March 25th, that's a Monday. Chicago um, Whiskey Week. Chicago Whiskey Week. Kick it off at the Delta. Oh, nice. Um, so that's on Chicago Avenue, um, three blocks uh, east of Damon, um, a block uh, west of Ashland, 1700-something. Cool. Uh, so uh, me and the Delta um, are doing a four-course dinner 
three or four course dinner there. Nice. So um, their sister store, which is a, a it's a retail store called Off Premise. It's in the Lake uh, Lakeview uh, or Lincoln Park. Great yep, store, yeah. it's on Armitage, um, two blocks. Uh, east of Racine. So they did a, a single barrel store pick of the old fangled Nodder bourbon. Nice. So it's a wonderful barrel number 981. I'm kind of sad to see it go. Why? But because it's so good, I want to go to the distillery and, you know, yeah. thief some whiskey out and drink it. But you I can't do that, do that right anymore. Now. Nothing wrong with that. I should do that right now. So anyway, so the so the barrel's actually already sold. Okay. So it did a pre... So um, Adam, the owner of Off Premise was able to pre-sell all of it. Nice. So that's what, 150 bottles? No, uh, because in? it's 12 years old, 12 it was years old, a, yeah. 120 bottles or nice. something. So you went barrel strength on it. Oh, baby, yeah, Good we did. 150. You. So this barrel was 115 proof. Anyways, nice. so March 25th, four courses, um, two or three Blom cocktails, and a nice. pour of Adam's Barrel. Cool. So barrel number 981 that is sold out of retail, yeah. so you'll be able to drink it there, mm-hmm. along with um, some other like exclusive Blonde Brothers pours that of uh, discontinued barrels and stuff like that. A hundred bucks. That's nice. tax gratuity included. Yeah, everything great. March 25th. It's good price. You yeah, know, um, thank you. It's a good plug. Lucky for you, maybe. Uh, I was supposed to be covering another distillery's oh, four course meal that night. Well, then. But I got canceled. <laughs> so I'm free to shoot and cover Ooh. this. Are I you mean, boys? Are you boys my plus twos? Oh no! I mean, March I just I I, yeah. I I just bring a camera. I don't I need to eat. I don't any, need to. Well, I, I, I shouldn't say I don't need to drink, but um, you know, I was supposed to cover this event for somebody else for another publication that I may or may not write for, and I mean. <laughs> <laughs> My evening is open now, so because uh, of a cancellation. Jakey, it sounds like we're doing a live hey, you know, mini episode from retail, sorry, the Delta. Matt, Matt just said his goodbyes and all of it. Not completely, but I do have a quick question. Though. Oh, I'm still here. That's He's fabulous. still here. So, the small boy has left, but <laughs> your small boy left. It turned. <laughs> that, that just. How does did it turn to a small boy? Yeah, that just does not sound right. Uh, Anyways, hello, so. Jake. I'm still here. <laughs> Jake! That's, that's, that's Wilson's son in the background. Um, <laughs> the question. Hey, Jake, have... it's me, the small boy. Do you need anything else before I get out of here? I already punched out, but I can punch back in and do something for you. No, no more fanning today. <laughs> All right, see you tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you. I love you. Like I, I told you, you're either in or you're out. Yeah, there's n- there's no there's no children there is, employed on this no episode of the podcast. So yeah, <laughs> but the only people that. out at this point are the legal team of Barton 1792 for slandering their name on this podcast. Uh, probably, you know, probably, we didn't name any distributor names, so we should be good there. So be, yeah, right. but anyway, back to your question. Oh yeah, sorry. Oh so retail, um, Matt. I forgot my question. Well, you're talking no, about wait, retail. Wait, no, no retail. Yes. So, if, it's my understanding that one of the um, sections of the bill that's, that's being lobbied right now for the small distilleries, as we were talking about earlier, there is a portion of it that would allow for each of you to sell one another's spirits. Yes. Yep. Um, which I think is kick-ass. I, I agree. I would love to have a shelf at our gift shop featuring yeah. Whiskey Acres, Koval, Chicago Distilling. Oh my God! Can you imagine if each of us distilleries could sell Chicago Distilling canned cocktails? Yeah. There's no cross com- competition there. There is no. They cross make a wonderful product there. there. It's, it's a solid product. Uh, Jay does a kick-ass job over there at Chicago Distilling. Um, so here's 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 the question. Though. Yes. How how do you deal with? I guess you could say the popularity of it. I mean, because hmm. what if you know you you have Blom all over yes. Blom, yeah. then you've got the other call it five distillers. You so are you to, asking if like you could lose comp, you could yeah, lose product because yeah. you might be serving somebody else like hey yeah. I'm a fan now. Of this now I'm not saying maybe not so much. I'm not I'm not asking you know, as far as, as luster. I'm thinking yeah. more like hey instead of me having to go all the way into Chicago okay. where I have to pick that up, I cannot pick it up in, Gal- in Galeno alongside my favorite Blanc. You know yeah, so I would, I would address this question. Uh, uh, would that go the, beyond the right. detail? Will it go into the tasting room as well? Uh, I don't think it wouldn't apply to the how much we can sell of what Thank we you. make. Okay, that was a exactly. question B. Okay. Right. So first of all, 
I would say, you know, at the end of the day, none of us, this goes to the self-distribution piece. Right. None of us distilleries want to be retail, uh, retail stores. We don't want to be binnies. We don't want to be off-premise. We don't want to be independent spirits, LLC. Yeah. Yeah. As much as we don't want to be distributors. We, yes. That's just not part of our business plan. It's too, it's it's too big, big for any distillery. Right. To so yes. if selling other people's stuff would just be would be such a small piece of the puzzle, mm-hmm. and especially it would just it would be like just um, icing on the cake because the cake is selling what we make. We yep. get um, you know that great margin selling out out the front door Correct. as opposed to the distributor who are going to take their cut. Cool. You know exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's selling other people's stuff from our facility is just, it's just extra, you know, we're keeping the lights on selling our whiskey. We're giving, um, we're giving, you know, Dennis, the tour guide an extra two bucks an hour selling Chicago Mm -hmm. distilling. Definitely. You know, that's, that's that's a great way to put it. That's a very good way. That's a great, and and that's a great way to kind of like close off here. As my computer's dying as we're recording. I can't express like how immediate these, I mean, they're not sexy issues, the ones that we're proposing uh, as the ICDA, but I can't express how immediate these are. It's important. Almost, almost all of these distilleries are family owned, obviously Blom Brothers family owned. Correct. You know, we're not looking to uh, strike a rich and sell out. We're just, uh, honestly, everyone, almost everyone in the ICDA, we are looking to start a company that our kids can do. Oh, yeah. Honestly. That's That's what we're after. That's awesome.